Vera Payne. Mike Karatska, who was once a rock engineer and producer, found his true calling when he traveled to Orlando for the first time. Mike became a DJ and producer, having dozens of releases and remixes on iconic labels over the course of 15 years. Now Mike joins me to speak about his journey and his latest projects. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Thanks for having me. So you started out in an alternative band. How long ago was that? I actually started playing with a drummer in high school and sort of transformed after a couple years of college. I, that really wasn't for me. And I moved back to Cincinnati where I had gone to high school and joined this band with the same drummer that I'd been playing with. And we we got into this thing where we were just kind of writing our own music and playing around Cincinnati, which was a pretty good alternative music scene at the time. So that was like early 90s that we were doing that. And I was also working kind of like a showcase club where it was like about a 1300 capacity club called Bogarts and similar to size to the Metro in Chicago. And so bands that were on tour, those size venues would often do the Metro and then come through Bogarts. And then there was another place in Cleveland. I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, so yeah, that was sort of that era for me was playing guitar and singing backup in that band. Wow, so guitar, singing backup. So does that mean you helped write the songs? Actually, at that point, I didn't really write much other than the guitar parts, you know, embellish what was already written. Our drummer actually wrote most of the songs for that band. I had just kind of delved into songwriting a little bit at that point in my life sort of rudimentary things. My songwriting really didn't develop until much later when I was doing electronic music and started really doing everything myself that I I really kind of experimented more and really started to learn the art of songwriting and developing my chops as a songwriter, I guess. Now, I've read that you actually have a degree in engineering. Like, well, wow, you went from doing your band stuff to like now you're an engineer. Like what happened there? Actually, when I was working at Bogarts in Cincinnati, I had some friends who were recording an album up in Detroit at this awesome studio called White Room. And we, I joined them up there and sat in on some sessions and I got to experience what recording a band was like. And I sort of got the bug, I guess, for studio recording. And I decided that that's what I really wanted to do and not really do the live thing anymore. So I went back to Cincinnati and I talked to one of the engineers who worked at the club and he said, you should check out this place Full Sail in Orlando. So I did. And like three months later, I was there and starting my degree in recording engineering. And after that, I ended up staying in Orlando and got the electronic music scene in Orlando in the mid nineties was very, it was awesome. It was very vibrant and it was super cool and it was like music that I'd never experienced before and it really caught my attention and I really just I don't know I fell in love with electronic music at that point and it sort of transformed my whole career everything kind of flipped on its end and I went into school thinking I was going to be a you know try and be a rock engineer and producer and came out of it wanting to be an electronic music engineer and producer. So it was uh, quite a transformative period for me. Wow. Is there a difference between the two? Or once you have a solid foundation, you can do any type of music? Mostly the specifics of it are, 
you know, how the music is made instead of, you know, a band getting into a room and playing together or, you know, recording drums and then bass and guitars and then adding the vocals. You know, it can all be done in a computer, especially nowadays, the way that technology has advanced over the last couple of decades is just, you know, you can really do everything kind of in a computer. And for me, having come from a band background, it was really cool to be able to do all the sounds myself. I play bass, I play guitar, play keys or synths and piano, and I sing. So I can sort of do the one-man band thing, but on a much more complex level because I'm doing, you know, loops and synthesizers, but, and then it more involves computer music production kind of stuff, particularly in later times and especially with my new album and stuff. Now, did you ever tour as an engineer? Yes, I toured as a music programmer and playback engineer for about 10 years. I knew someone who was doing that and had an opportunity came up where there was some extra work, a two-week gig with Akon, and it was supposed to be me just trying it out and <laughs> filling in and that turned into they wanted me to stay and that was like a year that I spent with Akon and then I got a call about another gig and I went on tour with the rock band Evanescence for about a year and a half I worked on and off with them for about five years but then that rolled right into my first tour with Justin Timberlake and I did stadium tour with him with Jay-Z as a co-headliner and then an arena tour with Justin, and then, again, his most recent arena tour, again, in 2018 into 2019. And a few other artists in there as well. I did Rihanna's last tour. I toured with Charlie Puth for a year, Tony Braxton for a while, on and off for a couple of years. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Chance to really tour the world and see a lot of different cool places. And I actually finished my touring career right before the pandemic started with Hugh Jackman doing a Broadway on tour kind of thing, like his movie, The Greatest Showman. The song's sort of from that and Broadway standards. And he's just an amazing performer and an awesome person. And it was a really nice way to finish that part of my career. I knew I was going to take a break and want to take some time off and work on my album, try and get back into music production more than touring so much. And then, of course, the world shut down in March 2020, and uh, there hasn't been any touring for anybody for a while, but it, yeah, quarantine time, but it actually was really good for me because I was able to spend a lot of time just working on all the music that I had going, and a lot of the songs on my album really were sort of developed during that time of isolation and, you know, just being at home my fiance and her three kids and you know it was a very interesting time but it was it actually was really helpful and beneficial to me to have all that time to dedicate to writing music and really kind of exploring a different aesthetic musically where it was much more mellow and chill because I, I did club music for a long time before I was touring sort of out of engineering school and I did dance music for a long time and then it didn't really seem appropriate to be doing dance music when everybody's you know home and there aren't any clubs open and nobody's you know unless you're dancing in your living room you know it wasn't really happening anywhere so that sort of vibe definitely permeated the whole record I think that I wanted to write 
just, I don't know, I guess beautiful, uplifting music and kind of maybe give people some hope or whatever uh, nice feelings would kind of help them transition out of this weird period that everybody went through, you know, and hopefully the music represents that and people will connect with that. Now tell me more about The Light of the Morning. When you started writing it, what was happening at that point for you? That actually, funny enough, started out as a club song. I I wrote this thing. I was in Sydney, Australia. We were in rehearsals for the Australian leg of the Hugh Jackman tour. And Hugh being Australian, that was a big deal. And we were in Sydney for a couple of weeks of shows and stuff. So the light of the morning, kind of just experimenting around with some different software stuff. And I had this really cool groove. I had this kind of poem that I had written about the light of the morning. And I decided I would try and like turn this into lyrics and it fit really well with what I was doing. And I just kind of, I did a demo version of it there in Sydney. And then I knew that I would come back to it. And then for the album that I wanted to do it as a piano version, which is what's on the album. And so when I first got to Miami after the tour, got my studio set up, that was really the first song that I wanted to turn into an album track. And so I played it as a piano song at a much slower tempo. It sort of encapsulated everything that I wanted to do with the album, which is just write a beautiful piece of music that was cinematic and like sort of have this kind of epic feel to it. I've been increasingly influenced by movie soundtracks over the last few years. And so I think The Light of the Morning really represented what I wanted to do with the rest of the album and and that sort of idea of what I was trying to achieve with it definitely translated over into the rest of the album.
Now, because you've been touring with a variety of bands, you know, Ever Essence, Justin Timberlake, even The Greatest Show on Earth, I mean, that kind of stuff, did that affect how you wanted to do music? Did you ever sit there and like, man, I really like this tempo that Justin Timberlake has, but I want it to be kind of like a musical in conjunction with a little bit of like maybe club music? I think for me, the biggest part that I took away from like touring and playing shows in all these different countries, I've been to like 65 different countries now, is, you know, just the idea that music is really universal and that people seem to experience music the same way, regardless of what language they speak, regardless of what their background is. And there's this unifying thing about music that is so powerful and that it doesn't really matter who the artist is, what they're playing, they're, that people feel it the same way. Just trying to make sure that my music was a good representation of what I am about and you know who I am and where I am in my life and putting myself into the record the same way that I saw, say, Justin Timberlake put himself into his shows or Hugh Jackman or Tony Braxton that it's a representation of who the artist is and that resonates, I think, with the audience. So I think that's the most important thing that I really took away from all the touring experiences. Oh, that's awesome. And that's what I like about EDM in general. You can be someone from Italy and not speak any English and you would still understand, you know, the music that's coming out from like Cascade or from, you know, Dead Mouse. Because it's just Absolutely. music you can dance to, you can groove to, and it's it's harmonious. You can just be cool with each other. Absolutely. And, you know, having done dance music for a long time, I, you know, I used to tour as a DJ by myself and just go play different places. And I spent a lot of time playing in South America or in Mexico. I speak a little Spanish, but, you know, it's more important that the music would speak to the audience. And it really is such a universal language that you can take it anywhere. And, and hopefully, even if the people don't speak the language that the lyrics are sung in, that the music will still speak to the audience. And there's one song on the album called Down to the Water that features Clifton Bindery, who is a, he's an Aboriginal singer. And he was part of the Hugh Jackman show. And I got him to sing in his native language. And it's such a cool sound. He has such a great tone that I hope that people will, even if they don't understand the actual language and the words that he's saying, that the, the tone of his voice and the um, emotive nature of it will speak to the audience and people will get what I was trying to convey musically and hopefully what he was trying to convey lyrically as well. What are some of the things we can expect from you in the upcoming year? I have a new EP that I'm working on right now that's four songs that is slightly, it's um, more up-tempo stuff, generally speaking. I have a new song called Falling Back to You. It's a, like a vocal progressive house kind of thing, sort of mid-tempo, I don't know, 118 BPM-ish. And it is uh, mostly instrumental i guess that my album was sort of half and half but this ep is going to be more instrumental and a little more cinematic but also on sort of like the 
action film kind of vibe, I guess, a little more upbeat and sort of driving rhythms, big drums and things like that. Just trying to explore some different sides of, you know, because electronic music, you can really do anything, which is what I've always loved about it. And so I'm just trying to do each project as a different sort of aesthetic, I guess. Well, Mike, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you being here. And for those listening, where can they find more information about you? You can go to my website, www.mikeharoska.com, and I'm on SoundCloud and YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much wherever you want to find me. But you can find all the links there through my website. Thanks so much for having me, Mason. I really appreciate it. And thanks for taking the time to talk about my music with you. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne. That's all one word. And don't forget to share the show with your friends.